Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Lorraine Bliss, who runs St Edmunds in Norwich. An award-winning charity, St Ed's as it's known, provides vocational training to some 250 teenagers from across East Anglia, some of regular school age, others who are 16 plus. There are over a million young people in the UK not in education, employment or training for work, so-called NEETs. Their numbers have soared since Covid lockdown. Students at St Ed's have often been excluded from school, leaving with no qualifications. But despite receiving no direct government funding and relying heavily on contributions from local business, Lorraine and her staff teach teenagers hands-on skills, from bricklaying to hair and beauty, from motor mechanics to carpentry that can help them earn a decent living. Lorraine St Ed's is 10 years old now. In a nutshell, what have you achieved in the last 10 years? If I can correct you there, St Ed's is 60 plus years. Um, we started as a com- an accommodation project back in 1965. But in 2004, um, we supporting people was coming in and we decided that we want to refocus our energies into preventative work. So in 2012 uh, we moved in here and that is where we really got serious about vocational training. St Ed's has been operating from this site here in Norwich for 10 years now. What have you achieved over that last 10 years? Well when we first moved in here we just had two laptops and two mobile phones and I thought on the day we moved in my goodness what have I done Uh, how am I ever going to fill this place how am I going to pay the rent Um, so it was quite difficult but for the first year I rented out the conference room uh, to Essex County Council and I tried to sell the office space which wasn't successful and I can remember uh, Bryn Maidman, who was a director of Taylor, one of the directors at Taylor Wimpy, saying to me, how are you ever going to make this pay? And I couldn't answer that question. Um, to be perfectly honest, we don't make it pay. Um, we nearly always have deficits. We have to fundraise. Um, but fortunately, being around for so long and the reputation that we built now, which was beyond my wildest dream, I could not have believed that we could have developed a training centre like this. So, um, and it's actually, it's quite a sad indictment that there are so many young people that need services like St Ed's. What is it that you're proudest of that you've achieved here, Lorraine? I think the thing that's made me proudest is seeing these young people actually believe in themselves and start achieving because all t- for too long they, they express that they feel insignificant in society and they feel that they don't fit in and I think when they came, come to St Ed's they start to believe in themselves and I think there's no greater moment for me than when we have our awards each year seeing them going on to the stage and collecting their certificates and prizes. We met earlier a, a lad called Charlie who was at St Ed's um, He's now a very, very successful business surveyor. Tell us a little about, about his story and how unusual is it that somebody has such success leaving St Ed's? I think Charlie was quite unique. Uh, he was a really difficult 
young man, very argumentative, um, thought he knew it all, um, came here, he really was, as I say, very difficult. But he, the one thing about Charlie, he had a supportive family, which for many of our young people, they don't have the luxury of families supporting them. So he went through our system and uh, from being here, he um, went to work for one of Taylor Wimpy's contractors and subsequently his journey then went on. He went back to, went to university. He was quite a bright lad. Um, so he is quite unique. I, I don't think that we're looking for young people at St Ed's to achieve in, in such a way as Charlie has, but so many of them have such potential to actually help the economy recover. Just to describe briefly what you do here, the kind of range of uh, trades that you teach these school age and just after school age kids. Our main core business is construction and it's accredited by City and Guilds. Catering and hospitality, again, City and Guilds. Health and social care, City and Guilds. IMI for the motor mechanics and VCTC for hair and beauty. We also offer functional skills, maths and English and GCSEs for the young people that are looking to improve their, their actual grades. And what sort of demand is there out there for the kind of qualified kids that you're producing? Carpenters, bricklayers, plasterers, hairdressers. Um, I was at the Young Builder of the Young Builder UK Awards the week before last, and there's 82,000 construction workers needed across the UK. There's also a 42% increase in vacancies in health and social care. Um, so I think, you know, for many of our young people, they could help to fill those gaps. I think we're missing a trick, actually, with the potential that's going through this, this organisation. Tell us a little bit about how you're funded, Lorraine. You've got, um, I think, 42 staff now here at St Ed's. It's an operation you're turning over about a million pounds a year. This is a significant business you're running, where does the money come from? Um, we don't actually receive any direct funding from central government. Uh, we contract with a prime provider for our post-16 study programme. For the school-aged children, uh, we have service level agreements with the schools and we charge the schools per student per day. Um, as you've already alluded to, we've turned over just a million pound, just over a million pound this year. First time we've been audited. But having said that, our salary bill alone is £875,000. So it doesn't leave an awful lot, more, not lot left to run the organisation. So you're heavily reliant on grants from grant making bodies, other charitable trusts? Absolutely. Um, because we have been in business uh, for, for a long, long time, uh, we have good reputation with a lot of the large charitable trusts. Um, but it, it is a headache because, you know, what I really want to do is see this organisation become stable so that it's available for young people forever and a day, not to have to keep worrying about where the next penny's going to come from. There aren't many places like St Ed's around the country, are there? 
education. There aren't that many places like St Ed's around the country, are there? Vocational bases where kids who maybe school isn't for them, they can come here from a young age, from 14 to 16, and then again from 16 to 18. Why aren't there more places like this? I don't know. I think that, you know, we need to recognise that not all, all young, all kids are school shaped. Um, I asked a CEO of a multi-academy trust recently, uh, when would you first identify a child of not being school shaped? And they said five. I nearly fell off my chair. You know, we have to recognise that all kids learn differently and some kids are more vocationally and practically minded. And at the end of the day, if we didn't have young people that were capable of digging roads, putting drains in, I'm told by industry that they have plenty of opportunities available for engineers, site structural engineers, surveyors, etc. But they can't get the basic stuff they need, staff they need to build houses. Some people would just say, Brits, this generation, they just don't want to do these jobs. They want to import the labour from elsewhere. What would you say, given the kids that you've seen come through St Ed's, many of whom have gone on to get jobs very successfully in construction and other hands-on industries? Is this generation different? No, I think it's a fallacy. I think, you know, they do want to work, they do want opportunities, but, you know, how soul-destroying is it when they go through mainstream education and they, they aren't school-shaped, they, they don't get any GCSEs, they need four GCSEs to get into FE college or sixth form. Further education, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for our young people, um, some of them, that's just totally impossible. And even the young people we've got this year, we've got 26 young people resitting GCSEs, and our English teacher says that he thinks if he gets five through, that will be a lot. How does that make a young person feel, you know, that they've been asked to resit the GCSEs and yet they're still not going to achieve a greater grade than they've already received. The outcomes that we receive with these young people, I mean it speaks for itself with the industry that we're working with, you know, all the big construction companies, it speaks for itself. They're supporting us, they're taking our young people on work experience, traineeships, employment. Providing you with materials and oh, tools yes. in some cases, right? Yeah, I mean when we talk about relying on charitable trusts, yes, uh, uh, we're actually very, very well blessed from the construction industry with huge donations and I cannot thank them enough because obviously that helps our bottom line as well if we don't have to buy all the materials. So you do believe that this generation of kids, they, they are cut out for the kind of work that you're training kids to do here at St Ed's. A lot of viewers and listeners would say, oh, this generation, they just don't want to work. You're countering that idea, aren't you? I, th I think I would say to your viewers, come along and see. Uh, until you come through the doors at St Ed's and everybody says it, we had no idea this existed. We had no idea what you'd actually done here. I think um, we've already alluded to today that the pandemic has had a ter taken a terrible toll on these kids. And I think it's going to be another four or five years before we actually see it turn round. But I believe that if we invest more in the younger kids at school and we give them opportunities to do vocational training, yes, English, maths and science they have to do, and nobody's denying that. 
But I think if young people have got it, they will go on and they will go to university. But we need to look at the young people that struggle and give them opportunities at a younger age. Because I think if we get in there earlier, then we won't see so many kids get into year 11 coming out without any qualifications because they can get trade-related qualification in vocational skills. We've got more than a million so-called NEETs in this country. That's people not in education, employment or training, young people. Tell us of the human reality behind that statistic. Goodness gracious, I think, again, I think it's that kids from an early age haven't been identified as struggling. I think there's been lots of issues with young people slipping through the system um, that should have really had education and health and care plans. Uh, that was called statemented many years ago. Um, or this, this year we've had 36 referrals for young people with EHCPs. We're not qualified to deal with Just kids. Tell us what that is. That's that's kids with special educational needs, and I think we're doing these kids an injustice by bringing them in somewhere like this because they struggle. They need, they actually need specialist units where there's therapeutic counsellors, mental health workers. I'm not saying they wouldn't be ready to come somewhere like St Ed's, but there needs to be work done with them before they actually take this step. This is a working environment. This is a very, very dangerous environment here, working on the tools, you know, the hammers, the chisels, all of the machinery we've got in here. So I think, you know, it's, it's the system. I think it is the system that's just over the years has just got worse and worse and worse. And we're in a situation now, in actual fact, I'm not proud of this, but Norwich were 18th on in the data and statistics for the number of NEETs. We've now dropped to 10. We are the, the worst in the Eastern region for young people that are not in employment educational training, which is really, really sad. We were identified three or four years, five years ago, I think it was, as being a hotspot, low in attainment and social mobility. What is happening here? We've got so many people living in poverty, relying on food banks, you know, we want better for our young people. Let's get them trained up, qualifications so that they can look for better opportunities, better lives, and also to be part of a community. You've genuinely seen that happen at St Ed's, you've seen lives transformed, you've seen fortunes changed. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, because we're so heavily supported by charitable trust, we have to keep statistics and we have statistics on everything when you see the amount of achievements the amount of outcomes that we're getting with these young people it's phenomenal and also bearing in mind that some of these kids have the most challenging backgrounds that they live in and they've had more trauma in their little lives than some of us have had in a lifetime what do you think of the impact has been of covid of the pandemic lockdown on the kids who are here at St Ed's? I think it's affected the de their development. Um, you know, there's no, been no stimulation for the two, two and a half years that we were shut down. And, you know, one of the things we did, we went into lockdown and a majority of our staff went on to furlough. But we were very keen to keep a number of staff on roll because the most important thing for us was to ensure 
that our kids were safeguarded, some of our kids are vulnerable, and we, made, we stayed in contact with all of our students during the period of lockdown, either by texts, social media, or the staff were going to their homes. Tell us what you think the reputation is of St Ed's in the local community here, both among ordinary people, but also the industries that you're trying to prepare your kids to be part of. I think the industries, uh, it speaks for itself. They're taking our kids on work experience and traineeships and offering employment. I think it's sad because even now people say they've never heard of us. Um, we have just uh, picked up a really fantastic work experience project uh, over at Heatherset. It's the new police training centre and we've been asked to do refurbishment there for the next, I don't know, 10 years. Um, you know, and our young people, a lot of them have got a phobia about police. I always say, well, the police don't come after me. If I get into trouble, the police will come after you, you know. But, you know, for their families, they've had phobia. But the police are actually training there and the kids are training and they're doing some fantastic work there. The reputation of our organisation has just, um, just exploded, I think, over the years. I think we're actually demonstrating that these kids are worth investing in. Is the future of St Ed's secure or are you living from year to year in terms of... I think if I'm honest, um, we've virtually got the alternative provision, the school part virtually got that secure because we're looking at going into a collaborative partnership with the multi-academy trust. Um, certainly Rachel D'Souza, the children's commissioner, really wants to have alternative provision in the schools. But I think there's alternative provision and alternative provision. It has to be meaningful, good quality alternative provision um, if we go into schools, but that's the route we're going down. The post-16 is the one that worries me because when, back in 2015, when the raising of participation age came into force. When it was 18 became the six, school, school Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah, they couldn't leave at 16 unless they went into a family business or something yeah. like that. The natural assumption, and this is my view, was that kids would go into FE college or sixth form. Nobody gave any thought to the ones that weren't actually able to achieve that. And to begin with, um, unemployment rates that didn't really make that much difference but as the years have gone on we've got this million kids that are not in employment you know or training so I think um, you know it's it's a problem that we have to address and I think the fact that there is no direct funding for post 16 young people I find that very worrying what I'd love to see is a vocational college funded by central government for the young people that struggle. We're really not very good at vocational education in this country, are we? No, not at all. Now, if you go to places, Sweden, Germany, they're so much better than we are, you know. I think we need to actually recognise um, education. Uh, my son is a, a, a principal in a school and he says that you know I stand at the back of a maths lesson and it's almost like I'm I was being taught the maths lesson same maths lessons as I was being taught years ago and I just think that we need to get a little bit more switched on with how kids learn now. Why are we so bad at vocational education Lorraine? Is it a class thing? Is it a snobbish <laughs> thing? It was is it 
um, a sense that unless you achieve academically, I you're think, a failure? I think there's too much pressure on putting, uh, being put on higher level achievers. Um, I think that is one of the issues. I know that certainly with quite a few of the construction companies that we're working with, they're struggling with the T levels. And I think, you know... That's what sort I, of vocational A-level equivalent. Yeah, exactly. But they're still quite academic, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's why our kids will never, ever be able to achieve those. But I just wish that hopefully, um, you know, with this, we're getting more publicity, that some of the ministers will listen. Listen to the people on the ground, because I'm sure St Ed's isn't the only alternative provision across the country. You know, talk to the... The pro I think one of the problems is, Liam, that alternative provision got a bad name because there's some bad APs and there's some really good ones and we've all been lumped together. I think they need to actually look at the good alternative provisions and the outcomes that they're getting. But I think the thing that really worries me is the research takes too long. While we're researching and researching and researching, more young kids are go falling into poverty. Um, you know, we need action. We need action to get funding for these post-16 kids. And what does it mean to you to be given this uh, CSJ award, the Centre for Social Justice? And how has CSJ helped you to achieve what you need to achieve? I, I can't explain how grateful I am to have been given the opportunity to work with the CSJ. I was just delivering a presentation at a conference one day and I got introduced to one of the staff. I spend hours writing to MPs. I don't get the courtesy of an acknowledgement at all. Now I've got the opportunity to feed in to the Centre for Social Justice and they actually have the they actually have the ear of Westminster. And so I found it really refreshing to be able to sound off, you know, and say, this isn't working, this is working well, and actually had somebody to take that forward for the organisation. It's been like a breath of fresh air. And winning the award, I feel so humble to feel that, you know, a little organisation, a little charity in Norwich has been recognised for the work we do. Is that the most valuable thing about your association with the Centre for Social Justice, Lorraine? The fact that you feed your message into them and you know that they can talk to ministers, they can talk to MPs, they can make your voice heard from Norwich here in Westminster, trying to change policy, trying to change outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so much, it means so much to us. And plus the fact, you know, they're a terrific bunch. You know, they listen, they're always on the end of the phone to listen uh, and, you know, just work on our behalf. Um, I can't speak highly enough of the relationship that we've built. You've been here for 10 years in this site, Lorraine, St Ed's. Where's St Ed's going to be in 10 years' time? Hopefully a brand new training centre. That's what I'd like to see. I don't think it's right that these kids have to work out of a disused warehouse. I mean, you're lucky it wasn't raining today because we issue umbrellas when you come through the door. We've got so many holes in the roof. Um, seriously, you know, I'd like to see a new training centre and funding, sustained funding, so that when I check out, I think, job well done, these kids have got vocational college forever and a day. Lorraine Bliss, thanks a lot for appearing on Money Talks. Thank you.
Thanks a lot for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you're listening. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On The Money, at 1pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel. (laughs) 